You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, the Utes are headed to the Zagsby's Heart of Dallas Bowl. And we're joined by Donald Butcher from Seven Ranges Radio in West Virginia to help kind of break down this West Virginia team. I'm Cameron, and we got Scott. How we doing? And we don't have Ryan. Hello, Ute Nation. <laughs> you could do that the whole the rest of the show. Just do Ryan. Should voice. I be Ryan and myself? <laughs> what do you think about that? Ryan? I mean, okay, so well, well yeah. I mean, uh, I think... you got to remember, you got to stay on the fence on every issue, <laughs> and you got to turn into peace when it gets too late. Well, I don't know who's going to win this bowl game. <laughs> I think the winner could be Utah or West Virginia. <laughs> no, we're just playing. Uh, uh, Ryan is not with us tonight. Well, he didn't die, but oh, yeah, uh, he he's just—he's just not in attendance. <laughs> He's, he's still a U on Earth. So Utah's headed to Dallas. I honestly, we talked about this last podcast about the Utah potentially getting a better bowl and, and better bowl opponent than a lot of Pac-12 teams that finished ahead of them. Oh yeah, I'm ecstatic for this game. No, I I think uh, I mean I wouldn't. I, I'm not sure I'm willing to go to the ecstatic level quite yet. Well, no, but, no. Let's talk about that before you go on. Okay, we'll come back to you. What have we had in the past? No, 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 Vegas no. Bowl, Colorado State. No, Vegas exact. Bowl, BYU. I put this at good, but being that we're six and six, um, we're playing a seven and five team without their starting quarterback, starting running back. There's not what you would call just a groundswell of excitement and anticipation oh, for the game. No, I'll definitely. But as far that. as bowl venues. Uh, bowl opponent. This definitely is better than playing. I think than playing in Indiana last year, than playing in Colorado State, than playing a BYU. Playing, I mean, insert every bowl opponent we played recently. <laughs> I mean, outside of uh, you know even Georgia Tech in the Sun Bowl. Yeah, I mean West Virginia. They're they're a good program, P five, and uh, and and you're playing in the Cotton Bowl. So, I mean, it's just a historic venue. So, there's a lot of positives to take from this. Um, I just hope to get to these types of bowls in the future, we don't have to go 6-6. Six and six. I'm looking at you, Craig Thompson. Oh, that's <laughs> a, that's our Mountain West con- Commissioner, Larry Scott. I won't find you on DirecTV, will I? All right, so let's kind of look at this Utah team. A lot of came out this, actually today, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday the 19th. Kyle Winningham said that Tyler Huntley's 100%. Is that coach speak? I don't think so. I think well, we're going to see Huntley. I don't know if there's any way we can know that because I don't even think we know his injury. <laughs> we, we, we've, we've heard r- rumors out there and some rumblings. It was a rib injury, a chest injury. Um, for all we know, it was a calf injury. I mean, I don't even know, but... Yeah, I think with the time that, that he's had off, I would anticipate that he would be back. And uh, I, I think mm, I would expect him to start, and I would expect him to play well, um, especially if he is healthy and uh, and he's been able to, to get ready to go. Because he finished the season fairly strong outside of not being able to play um, that last game against Colorado. So yeah, going back to the UCLA game, and uh, he played really well up at Washington against a really good defense. So... Um, Prior to that injury, he kind of had gotten back into his rhythm, was playing well. Ultimately, we're gonna we're gonna need to show up. West Virginia, you know, they've got some guys that out, some important guys. Scott, I think you bring out some interesting points, and you know, we'll have to talk to Donald about the quarterback situation with Greer and if he's going to go or not. Uh, but if he he doesn't go, and with with Crawford not playing, the starting running back, it will be interesting to see what this West Virginia can team can do because. Really, they hang their hat on their offense. That's how they win ball games. You know, they're throwing the ball over three hundred yards a game. That's how they're beating teams. That's how they've gotten seven and five and fourth in the in the Big Twelve is with that offense. Their defense, on the other hand, 
a little bit more questionable. So it would be nice to have Huntley back. And if he is 100% and willing to play, that's going to be big because West Virginia, I think, can give up yards. They can give up big plays. And Utah's going to need Huntley to do that. Well, yeah, it's it's going to be a game of whose questionable part of the team is better. Because, you know, the offense has, has looked really good at times for the Utes, and uh, they've struggled um, in a number of games offensively. And so Utah's really going to have to have to be able to run the ball, establish the run, uh, help control that clock, but be able to still do um, more than sufficient through the passing game. They've got to be able to attack. Uh, they got to be able to get some big plays and and then put some pressure on uh, and force West Virginia to be able to have to score a lot of points against this defense. Because, yeah, as you said, West Virginia, I mean, you just look at their stats. They're averaging 324 through the air. But you couple that, they're averaging 160 yards a, a game on the ground. That's That's exactly where we're at on the ground. And look at how much we focus on the running game. So they're they're averaging more than a hundred yards a game more through the air than we are. So they've got a prolific offense and they've got a number of weapons. Now, granted, um, someone with uh, if if Greer is indeed not going to play, that definitely plays to our uh, our advantage. But uh, any Ute fan who's watched games this year has known uh, that some backups have uh, taken us to the woodshed already a couple times. So. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but uh, it'll be able to. It'll be good to get a little bit of insight from uh, uh, from Donald uh, and uh, kind of educate us a little bit more on West Virginia. So you know, I mentioned that their their defense kind of gives up a lot of yards. Their defense doesn't give up a lot of touchdowns. There are a lot of bend and don't break defense. Well, how about the red zone? How are they in the red zone? To compare the rest, their whole defense, the red zone is actually pretty good compared to how the rest of their defense is. That's what I'm saying. I, Crap. I, I really think they're a bend and don't break type of defense. And I think that's why Utah needs Huntley. Williams did a great job against Colorado. A must-win game for Utah to go bowling. And if Williams plays, I don't think that's a, a market up as a loss for Utah. But I, I think Utah needs Huntley. Not only to, to win this game... But for next season, Huntley needs as many reps as he can to prepare for next year. Because next year, who's our backup? Well, it's either Jason Shelley or it is uh, the big guy who's signing tomorrow, King Tut, Jack Tettle. Exactly. And and that's why I'm saying I, it will be interesting to see what happens going forward with that quarterback spot. But to get back to the bowl game. We really, I, I really, really want to see Huntley in this game. Well, yeah, and, and I think we will. But, I mean, you look overall, Utah has, uh, they are tied for the best winning percentage in bowl games um, in the history of college football. They win bowl games, especially under Kyle Whittingham being 10-1. and one. So they take it serious. Regardless whether it's a big-time opponent or not, they show up. I mean, we see it year after year. There's people who go to bowl games. They're not excited about their opponent. Maybe they're not excited about the bowl game. Or guys don't even play in their bowl game. Yeah, and or I mean, look at Oregon, perfect example. Granted, they're going through a coaching situ- a coaching change, uh, but they didn't even really show up. 14 of their 24 points came in th- within 30 seconds, both defensive scores because of Boise State's ineptitude, essentially. And uh, Oregon didn't come ready to play, but Utah has a history. Kyle Whittingham takes takes these bowl opportunities serious they travel they uh, and and they're always well prepared to play so you couple that along with uh, how the team was progressing at the end of the year we kind of we, we talked about this the last several weeks of the podcast historically under under a rod or even even going before a rod dave christensen um Really, regardless of who the offensive coordinator was, even if it was Brian Johnson, we would come towards the end of the season and we would just start to falter. Oh, November always killed the youth. It was just, you know, we just, the offense would bog down. Whereas this was the first year in a number of years where the offense continually got better as the season went on. So I think that is a huge positive 
for this team that we're not going to hopefully have to rely on a Lou Groza award winner to kick 12 field goals and the defense to uh, play lights out to get a, to get another bull win. The offense, I think, uh, has the ability to show up and play well. But, you know, we got to remember, West Virginia's a good football team. 7-5 in the Big 12. Big 12 has a lot of explosive teams, and uh, so they've got a lot of talent. And, uh, you know, Dana, Dana Holgerson has a, has a good track record. So the Utes are going to have to show up and, and play well, but I, I there's a lot of things that I like about Utah going into this matchup. All right, so that's kind of, you know, our first thoughts on this bowl game and this matchup with West Virginia. I really want to talk to Donald and really get the perspective from West Virginia. Uh, and so before we get to that, uh, that interview is brought to you by Farmers Insurance. For protecting your home, vehicle, and family, look to Farmers Insurance. You can call Scott Omer at 801-307-4046. So we're pleased to have uh, Donald Butcher on with us. He is uh, from West Virginia, uh, works with uh, Seven Ranges Radio, who covers a wide variety of uh, uh, both uh, high school athletics, collegiate athletics, and an insider for West Virginia. So we're excited to have you on, Donald. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, it, it's going to be an interesting bowl game here when we, uh, when we get going. When I saw the matchup, I was pretty pleased. Uh, that, that we got you guys because we've only played once. I believe it was six in '64, and you guys got us in a bowl game. Yeah, so we yeah. owe you, the you Liberty know, Bowl. Only Liberty Bowl. Yeah, we're going, <laughs> it, we're going way back here now. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it's only it's only been about what 50, 50 years. <laughs> so it, it's about time we got you guys again. Yeah, well, this is uh, this is exciting. It's a good matchup, as you mentioned, and uh, you know, I I, I think uh, folks out here, Ute fans, we we know of West Virginia, obviously, uh, with what Rich Rod did with you guys, who's you know now at Arizona. We've gotten to know Rich Rod. Uh, I'm so sorry. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, we've gotten to know him. Just say I am so sorry. You want to talk about a guy that uh, this fan base is split right down the middle with? You you've still got guys clamoring. You know, we got to bring Rich Rod back, and they're the old. They're all the guys who want Dana gone. Eating even with the success that we have have had. So, yeah, you guys can keep Rich Rod out, out west and be with Khalil Tate, his second coming of Pat Waite. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, yeah, so we're getting a good taste of that. Uh, but, you know, we obviously West Virginia, you're well known. You, you guys have high-powered offense, throw the ball around. Uh, so with this matchup, the, the big question I think uh, Ute fans have is, what's the status of, uh, of Will, uh, Will Greer? Will Greer is absolutely no chance, no uh, chance. that you will you, that you will guys see Will Greer. Uh, he uh, it was a long shot ever ever since, and I don't know if if you guys or any of your fans have seen the video of the injury, but for the love of all that is good, don't because it is awful. A finger uh, under no circumstances should ever bend. Uh, at a 90 degree angle. So uh, don't go YouTubing the video for Will Greer. But luckily, it was just a real bad uh, break and they were able to reset it. Um, but yeah, he is an absolute no go for the bowl game. So you guys are going to see the uh, the Chugmeister, Chris Chuganoff, uh, on the on the football field. Um, Chugs is kind of a a poor man's uh, Will Greer. Um, and, and unfortunately, uh, when when you see any of the his highlights from the the second half of the Texas game and then the the Oklahoma game um, in the Big 12, what we see more often than not is if the quarterback is just basically a, a carbon copy of the starter and the starter goes down and the backup has to come in, that offense is just going to sputter because a less talented version of the same skill set doesn't really get it done uh, in the Big 12. What you usually see, and I, uh, speaking of experience as a West Virginia fan, uh, you know we had a real tough time with Baylor this year because we knocked out their starting quarterback, Zach Smith, and they brought in a backup who could run, and that change of pace just absolutely demolished our defense. Uh, Kansas State in the past with, with old Bill Snyder and his running the quarterback 714 times a game, uh, it, it, it seems that uh, that change of pace quarterback is really what 
uh, has hurt defenses here in in the Big 12. So when you look at at Chugs' numbers, and especially that Oklahoma tape, you're not really going to be very impressed because there wasn't a whole lot to game plan for. But I think this time off with with the knowledge, and I think the coaching staff has known for quite some time that that there was no chance for Greer. So I think they're going to get they they've had the opportunity to get chugging off a little bit more acclimated and in tune with the wide receivers. Um, and and that's a big thing as well is when you look at the stats, WVU only had four guys in double digit catches. They only run four wide receivers. David Sills, who I'm sur- sure you guys have have uh, been made very well aware yes. of the yes, whole definitely used to play quarterback and oh my goodness Lane Kiffin offered him when he was basically a newborn baby and all that good stuff so he led the country in touchdown catches with 18 and then you had Karan White Kevin's younger brother uh, and then Gary Jennings who I think you guys are going to be incredibly frustrated with during the bowl game because he catches everything and he if if we throw to him on third downs um, good luck stopping him because all he does is catch first downs. And then Marcus Sims, who uh, is a legit 4-3 guy uh, in terms of vertical speed, can't really do anything else, but he averaged 19.7 yards per catch. So uh, I think with this little bit of time off and, and chugging off getting a little more acclimated with those first-team wide receivers, I think you're going to see a much different offense than what you saw uh, against Oklahoma, where we really ran nothing but the Wildcat uh, uh, or the Wild Mountaineer or whatever nonsensical name you want to give it. Um, it it's going to look more like a traditional West Virginia offense. Is it going to be as explosive, though? I don't know. So, Donald, uh, taking another player that that's in the backfield there, Justin Crawford came out, and I, I guess he's going to be for going the bowl game to, to concentrate on on the draft. What is your sense of, of what that's going to do with, with the team and, and the offense, that what you're talking about? Well, what's funny about Crawford is he's a 1,000-yard rusher in back-to-back years, and most of us here uh, in, in the Mountaineer fan base and, and pro football focus as well kind of noticed it. Of the three running backs that we really employed throughout the year, Crawford, uh, Kennedy McCoy, who's a true sophomore, um, but more of, a, of, of kind of a change of pace back. He can really catch the ball out of the backfield. And then Martel Petaway, who is another sophomore, a kid who uh, we had to burn his red shirt in the second quarter of a Iowa State game last year, and then he promptly ran for 185 yards against him. Uh, Crawford was the worst out of the three of them. Pro football focus rated him as a four, in, in the 40s, in the low 40s, 40 to 45, where Petway was around 55, but McCoy was rated around a 72. And many people, uh, myself included, feel McCoy, felt McCoy should have been given more carries throughout the year. Uh, they really would rely heavy on Crawford in the first quarter and then kind of, or in the first half, and then split carries between Crawford and McCoy in the second. And McCoy on 111 carries ran for 565 yards. But on his 111 carries, as opposed to Crawford's 190, uh, had the same amount of touchdowns as Crawford, arguably had bigger plays, uh, ran better in between the tackles, made more guys miss. So I think uh, McCoy is actually a better option, uh, and, and that's not a disrespect to Crawford. I think he does have a place on an NFL roster. I'm just not exactly sure uh, where durability has a has a big uh, big question mark for him because he did seem to wear down in games. But um, I don't think it's as big of a knock as some people would expect when you see a back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing back forego the bowl game. And like I said, we all wish him luck. But I do think um, the one-two punch of McCoy and Petaway um, can more than take up the, the slack of Justin Crawford. So breaking down, obviously uh, Utah, Utah's defense this year um, kind of took somewhat of a step back in uh, on their defensive line, which is you know over the years that's kind of what they've built their program around is being uh, focusing on stopping the run, and this year have been extremely uh, successful um, in the secondary. It's probably the strength of the defense. So how, how do you how do you expect West Virginia to attack Utah um, in this in this bowl game? Well, from from admittedly, we I I try to watch as much Pac-12 after dark as I can because who, nah, who doesn't? Hashtag. <laughs> yeah, who it's who doesn't enjoy? Yeah, it's when weird stuff funny, starts we, happening. Yeah, we always joke 
over here. Uh, if you're going out on a Saturday night, make sure whatever bar you go to plays the whatever late night Pac-12 game in. Because once once you hit beer five or six, that game is going to start getting real fun. So so we really we we do enjoy it here on the East Coast. Whenever you guys start getting a little <laughs> weird out there, you, you guys provide for some uh, some high quality entertainment. But um, from what I've seen of you guys, is you guys have done a really nice job against the pass, and that's why I do think we're going to have to rely on the run a lot. Um, our our run offense hasn't been as definitely not as good as it was in 2016 when we really uh, mauled guys uh, on the offensive line but we were breaking in a couple of new starters four of our five offensive line linemen that you will see will return next year we're only losing Kyle Bosch our right guard Um, Bosch a very good run blocker pro football focus rated him as one of the best run blocking guards in the country Um, pass blocking he's a little um, a little suspect when it comes to it, but I think they're, they're definitely going to have to run in between the tackles. And luckily, as I mentioned earlier, Kennedy McCoy runs between the tackles very, very well. Uh, so I think that's going to be very key is to get in third and manageable, second and manageable, third and manageable, because Chuganoff, um, again, in the two games that we've seen, hasn't really had that connection, especially with Sills. Sills in the last two games really tailed off um, with Chuganaut wasn't able to get a whole lot going. So I think if they can get in third and manageable situations, they, they should be okay. Um, because your guys, a secondary hasn't given up as many big plays as I would like, <laughs> uh, going into it. Cause, uh, obviously with Will Greer off, uh, of any defense got an absolute cannon for an arm. And, and, and really I mentioned Marcus Sims's speed, um, that four three speed to really be able to take the lid off, but it's Karan White who's the real de- uh, deep threat, a guy who just like his brother Kevin uh, can go up and get it. Um, he he's not going to lose a lot of jump balls if he's able to get his hands on it, and he's done a great job of being able to come down with those fifty fifty balls. And with Chuganoff not having that arm strength, the the vertical passing game hasn't been there. Uh, I think Gary Jennings will be able to get open like he he has on third downs and, and on the underneath stuff. Um, but it, it's really that if they're not able to get in manageable third down situations where the quick passing game, the slant game to Sills and White on the outside was very, very advantageous, especially in the, in the red zone. If they're not able to do that, I, I really think that your guys' secondary is going to make things very, very difficult uh, for chugging off in those third and long situations. Um, now I'm not sure. I, I haven't been able to see enough of you guys to really know about how your, uh, your pass rush has been, but I know it's that been poor. Looking it, at, it hasn't existed. Okay. Well, you, you know, for, for a Mountaineer fan here and that, that's, that's nice. Because, which, which is again, strange because that, that has been one of our strengths. Um, it's been the calling card for a Winningham team. For, for twenty years, yeah, for for as long back as I can remember. But this year, they just they it's been just a a bit of a disappointment. Our, our defensive line in general. Well, looking over the last two years, the the type of defensive lines that have really given uh, West Virginia fits are the four man fronts with big, strong uh, defensive ends. Hasn't really been so much the speed rushers, but it's the it's the physical ends have really seemed to give WBU fits. Last year in the bowl game, Miami did whatever they wanted, and we saw what they did with that obnoxious turnover chain all year <laughs> uh, in terms of getting to the quarterback and causing havoc. And then Oklahoma State, TCU, Oklahoma, the guy that the guys that you expect. Um, you know, we, we all know about the narrative of no no one in the Big Twelve plays any defense, which is a farce because. They go up against some of the offenses that we have to face uh, week in and week out, and, and we'll, we'll see how, how much uh, offense you don't give up. But those are the kind of guys who, who are teams and schemes that have really given uh, the Mountaineers some fits. So uh, I think if Utah knows that – if you guys know that you can pin your ears back and come after you know a guy making only a second career start, it, it's going to give you guys a, a, big, a big advantage in the, on the defensive side of the ball for sure. Now, Donald, uh, you know, one part of college football that I absolutely love is, is just the program and fans in, in general. You know, this season, uh, it didn't maybe for Utah go as, as planned as what Utah fans wanted, but the Utah fans are thrilled 
about you know going to Dallas, playing the Cotton Bowl, and playing a team like West Virginia, uh, especially compared to teams that finished ahead of Utah in the Pac-12 that in a lot of fans' eyes got lesser bowls. What's the feel with, with West Virginia fans about going to this game and, and playing against Utah? Well, I, it's it's kind of mixed feelings because before the Greer injury, there was some thought that they could make a le, you know a, a more legitimate and I'm doing some air quotes there uh, bowl game. But we were very excited uh, to see that number one, we got uh, a Power Five team. That was one of the big things because there was a lot of speculation that WVU could be facing like a Western Michigan. I saw them uh, matched up against in a lesser bowl before Christmas. I even saw uh, one guy at ESPN uh, had WVU facing Texas San Antonio, who didn't make a bowl in uh, one of the one of the games that probably would be going on like tomorrow. <laughs> so there was there was some worry that WVU may may get kind of left out as being that lesser team will or you know with will greer's injury up in the air how are they gonna travel and everything so we're we're very pleased with it um i'm not sure exactly how well the fan base will will travel being the day after christmas and in dallas and i'm sure your guys's fan base has had kind of the same um the the same issues with that Uh, but mountaineer fans do travel and we uh we do get loud and we do drink a lot and we're super friendly. So um, if anyone who's listening to to the cast tonight uh, is or whenever they're able to listen to it, uh, sees a Mountaineer fan, um, just go up. I guarantee you they're going to shake their hand, your hand. They're going to be happy and more more than thrilled to talk to you, try to figure out, number one, what in the world is a Ute? Uh, I think we're still <laughs> trying to figure that out. Um, but, um, you know, after after playing BYU last year, um, and, and all the, uh, the quote unquote horror stories that BYU fans told us about you guys. Uh, we think you're our kind of people because BYU <laughs> people really weren't our type of people. So, <laughs> That's what I like to uh, hear. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I think, I think we're excited. It's, it's, it's a nice matchup. Like, like we mentioned earlier, happily long time. And I, it's always fun when, when you get to play someone you don't get, get to play year round. Basically, the 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 thought among Mountaineer fans is if we can't make the playoff and we can't play Pitt and we can't play Virginia Tech, then give us give us a good matchup against someone we don't get to see. And obviously, you know, when you break that down, it's it's championship or kick the crap out of someone we really, really don't don't like or mingle with people who who we don't get to mingle with a whole lot. So I think that's kind of the the thought process. Yeah, no, this will be exciting. Yeah, for that very reason that it's you know we're not going up against uh, you guys uh, year in and year out, so it is something new and uh, a different bowl. So I, th- I think it'll be a lot of fun. So with that being said, what uh, what's the prediction? What do you, what do you how do you have uh, this this game turning out? Biggest prediction, and I know we've talked about the offense a lot, um, but a biggest prediction for me solely stems off of of, of this fact. How does the Utah offense combat the 3-3-5? Because I'm not sure that you guys have seen it. I'm not sure if Rich Rod still runs it at Arizona. Uh, but Tony Gibson, our defensive coordinator, is arguably the most slept-on assistant coach in the country. And, and that's a little bit of homer. I try not to be too big of a homer. Um, but he takes a scheme that really should not work at the defensive level or at the collegiate level and makes it work. Uh, in a conference that is known for giving up points and everything, WVU traditionally, um, with the three-three-five stack defense, is a bend and, and do not break. Uh, a lot of Mountaineer fans, uh, you know, the same guys who are the fire Holgerson camp, uh, hate the three-three-five and want to see it go away because um, they don't really understand how it works. And the WVU isn't a traditional school that's going to be able to to recruit enough defensive linemen and enough enough depth to play four down linemen. And we're not going to be able to get your linebackers to run a traditional three, four on the inside that are going to be able to fill those gaps like you need. So what we do is we run the three, three, five stack um, with three defensive linemen, three linebackers, and you guys enjoy watching number 11, David Long. Uh, He's a sophomore uh, he got absolutely snubbed in the all Big 12 selections, was just an honorable mention. But he was rated 
by Pro Football Focus at a 91.2, the highest linebacker in the Big 12. And he is going to have three to four tackles for loss. And there is nothing that you can do about it because all he does is make tackles behind the line of scrimmage. So you're going to get really frustrated at seeing number one, 11 in your backfield a lot. Um, but uh, the way that we play our safeties, we have Kazir White, who is the third of the White brothers. Uh, yeah, we have one on defense, too. Uh, and, and he's very, very good. And Drayvon Askew Henry, who is our other safety. Are there any more and Whites then, in this family? There are not any more brothers, <laughs> but there are nephews. And there, are, there are, is a niece. There, there, well, there's a sister. A niece. She, <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a, uh, there's a sister who plays Division One college basketball. And for some reason, it is slipping with me where she plays. Uh, there is a niece who is very good at basketball. She is rumored in the pipeline for WBU. And Papa White has said that the two nephews might be better at their age than any of the current White brothers. And there is a very good chance that they're going to end up at WVU. So we've got kind of a thing going there, which is very nice. So, but as of right now, no, there aren't any, there aren't any more in in the coming years. But, uh, but the three safeties, like I mentioned, Drayvon Askew, Henry, Kazir White, and then a freshman by the name of Kenny Robinson. Um, he's, he's about six foot two, 215 pounds. He had two pick sixes this year. He's very good, but Depending on how you guys uh, deal with a three-three-five stack, um, will be very interesting. But all of that uh, uh, talking to get to my prediction, and I know a lot of Mountaineer fans are going to be very unhappy with me whenever they hear this. Um, Come on, but Donald, if, I hear it. I hear it, Donald. You got to do if, it. If, if you if you had to to give me a score, the score that I've been going with is the uh, the the West Virginia score of death which over the course of time, WVU, it's a close game. We're tied at 24. We do something stupid, and we lose 31 to 24. So my prediction for the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl is the Utah Utes 31 and the West Virginia Mountaineers 24, just because we don't have the vertical passing game to back you guys off the line of scrimmage enough to keep a consistent run game going to give us uh, – less than 10 third and long situations that is uh, that is that is music to a ute fan's ears donald because we have seen utah do some really dumb things at the end of, end of games this year so we would like to see our opponent do something dumb at the end of a game there there is a lot of uh, uh i've grown up a west virginia fan born and raised here in the state uh, and after 30 years of Mountaineer fandom, the one thing that I can always count on is just when you think that good thing is going to happen, that team that you love and bleed for and die for is just going to kick you right square in the groin because we are not allowed to have nice things here in the state of West Virginia. 13 to 9 proved that. Uh, and it is the 10 year anniversary of 13 to nine. Uh, and, and I don't, I won't go into any more details because I'm not going to openly sob, uh, on your guys' <laughs> podcast, but, uh, so Scott that, does it all the time. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, just with all of that, there, there has just been enough things over the course of Mountaineer fandom, whether it's been that Deshaun Butler tearing his ACL against Pitt, uh, against Duke in the, in the, and the final four, when we finally made with the final four and Huggins and everything was great. And we beat a Kentucky team with John Wall and Patrick Patterson. And it didn't make any sense um, to, uh, you know, a, a great bowl game last year. We somehow won 10 games with the abomination that was Skylar Howard, at quarterback. Uh, we had a great opportunity to leap into this year with a great bowl win against Miami. And we came out flat and looked awful. And you know, it's just on the biggest stages, West Virginia can't help but poop in their pants. So uh, that's one of the things that we have learned. So I expect no different come December 26th. Well, you know, this has been good because I think we found there's a lot of similarities between your fan base and ours. Definitely. And uh, even though we're we're uh, a country away from you guys. But uh, nonetheless, it's uh, it's been a pleasure having you on, giving us some insight on uh, West Virginia and what we're going to uh, be seeing here in uh, in the next week. So thanks so much. Where, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Don Butcher. Um, my, my Twitter bio basically says everything that you need to know. And it's, I'm here to complain about WVU athletics and the Pittsburgh pirates, because not only do I hate myself enough that I am a West Virginia fan, but I am also a Pittsburgh pirates fan. So I doubled the only thing that I could add more is to be a Cleveland Browns fan, but the NFL is really not my stick. Uh, I stick with I stick with the college game. So, um, yeah, so the the sadness is very real, uh, but you can find me there. And and I do cover high school sports uh, here in the state of West Virginia. Um, I, I do. I will give a shout out to the high school that I cover, which is Parkersburg South. Uh, Parkersburg, one of the larger states or one of the larger cities here in the state of West Virginia. I do uh, like get to talk. Very lucky to get to cover uh, the Patriots and all of their endeavors. And you can hear that anytime if you just want to hear what i sound like calling a game it is seven ranges radio and then you can go to our v96.9 uh website and you can link to any of our games uh as as i call games with my partner eric little a guy who i actually grew up right across the street from uh we ended up lucking into getting to call games together 30 years later so it's been a very cool uh, to be able to do this. So I do appreciate you guys having me on and I'm, I'm hoping for a good game and, and, you know, nothing too terrible to happen to either fan base. Cause it sounds like we both, uh, have lived through enough. <laughs> Very good, Donald. <laughs> appreciate you. it. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks. Donald. have a good night. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So a big thank you for Donald for taking time out of his busy schedule. I know it can be hard, uh, with him being on the East Coast and us in Utah to, uh, to try to get schedules to line up. So really appreciate that and great insight coming from, from Morgantown and West Virginia. Yeah, no, it was really good insight uh, to kind of get a little bit more information on guys to look out for and who's really going to be uh, making an impact for West Virginia and how, how the Utes match up against them. So I'm excited for this game. And, uh, obviously, you know, it sounds like, uh, um, you know, we can pretty much count on Will Greer not playing. Uh, but, uh, what was it? The Chuggy? The Chugmeister? The Chugmeister. I like it. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the Chugmeister can do, um, against Utah Secondary. Yeah. Cause just today news broke that, uh, Jalen Johnson, a uh, freshman All American candidate, um, cornerback is out he had surgery uh, just this week and so he will not be playing in the bowl game so definitely uh, hits uh, hits the depth chart a little bit um in the secondary if if will greer was the quarterback i'd be a little bit more concerned um being definitely that, being that they're on their on their second string um it'll be interesting to see uh, how our secondary holds up because they're going to pass the ball all over the field and it sounds like there's about 30 whites on the team <laughs> that are all athletic. And uh, so, you know, the the Utes, the secondary is going to have to play well. Um, hopefully, you know, it seems like we've just gone through so many injuries um, at the safety position from Chase Hansen. Um, obviously, Even uh, Blair. Blair's out, but uh, we won't be seeing him. But, uh, you know, expect to see both uh, Ballard and Chase Hansen. And, and probably uh, a FIA probably get a lot of playing time. Probably a FIA as well. And uh, other than that, to my knowledge, everybody, all the other cornerbacks are, are ready to go. Um, I, I, I'm expecting that we'll probably see Casey uh, Casey Hughes as well. Uh, haven't heard that he's out, uh, even though he was dealing with an injury uh, prior to the end of the season. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be a good matchup. Um, and I'm I'm ju- I'm just excited for football. It feels like it's been forever since the Utes played. So the fact that we got a bowl game coming up here um, a week away from today. All right, so we can kind of go into our predictions now, and that's brought to you by our sponsor, Doubletree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City downtown, 110 West, 600 South, Salt Lake City, Utah, 801-359-7800. So the spread on this game opened up to about four points. It's moved now. Uh, excuse me, that's four points for Utah. Uh, it still stayed with Utah, about six and a half points right now. Scott, uh, what's your score in this game, and what what are your keys for this game? I think it'll be fairly high scoring. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the final score of Utah 34, uh, West Virginia 27. I think it'll be close, and I think both offenses are gonna do some damage in this. But I, obviously, the key to the game is gonna be. 
Um, defensively for Utah, it's going to come down. The secondary is going to perform. It's whether Utah's defensive line can show a little bit more than what they did this season. Uh, we've got to get pressure on the quarterback um, consistently, not just here and there, consistent pressure on the quarterback. And then regardless of their starting running backs out, you've got to be able to stop the run because they still it sounds like they've still got two very capable running backs and some speed guys. And those speed guys have been have given us fits this year. And uh, I'll bet you they've been watching film and they're going to attack the edges just like a number of teams did this year. So I, I think it's really going to come down to the run game and being able to control that. And I think uh, the secondary is going to be good enough to be able to you're not going to eliminate, you're not going to completely stop, but hopefully they can control uh, the uh, the passing attack of West Virginia. Um, but I think regardless, it's going to be a good game. Keys offensively, you know, goes back. It's nothing new. It's the same keys that Whittingham has pretty much for every game. Run the ball. And uh, I, I, what I want to see is the offensive line, how we finish the season, you look at how, how well we performed against Colorado to end the season to get that sixth win. The offensive line was was awesome. But now we're throwing Tyler Huntley back in there. So how is it going to look the same? Is the running game going to look the same? That's what I want to see is what is this running game going to look like? Are we going to go back to the spread option, which we've been trying to do and it hasn't been super successful or are we going to do more just pound the rock um, more counters um, just straight power run game um, that was so successful against Colorado so that I'm anxious to see what our approach is offensively against West Virginia um, but I but I think you know those are going to be the keys you got to you got to be able to uh, to run the ball and stop it stop their own so I kind of think of the same lines as you. I have Utah 30-24. Uh, for me, the big keys, and we, we, we talked about this, Winningham's 10-1 in, in bowl games. That can't be underestimated by any means. And I think it, it not only does Winningham prepare for bowl games and, and treats them like he should, but it moves on to the players in the program. It's, it's in their DNA as Utah football players to get up for bowl games no matter who it is or where it is. So I think that's a big key that maybe West Virginia maybe not be aware of. Another Yeah, they they don't know our DNA is coming for him. <laughs> Cuz on the field everyone bleeds red. <laughs> There's going to be DNA everywhere on this field. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting to see if Utah can get after the quarterback. We haven't seen it all year. And the D line has got to help the secondary out. You got to get chuggy. You got to keep chuggy in check. <laughs> I'm, jo- I mean, I'm, I'm joking, but you really need to, right? We got to get a pass rush on the quarterback, and we got to get him on his back, or he can just sit back there and 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 pick us apart. Well, and they've they've got the talent to do so. Exactly. They've, they've got uh, they've got a pretty prolific uh, passing and attack. And as what so. uh, Donald said that. Their four wide receivers can run wild if you let them. So you got to keep that. Utah's got to keep that in check. Ryan, what's your, what's your prediction? Well, I think uh, what we'll do is I think we'll play well, and I'm not sure if we'll win or we'll lose. <laughs> I think it'll be a tie. He's gonna beat you up. <laughs> Just kidding, Ryan. Just yeah, if you're not gonna be here, we got to give you a hard time. Exactly. All right, we'd love to know your thoughts on, on the score and how the game will turn out. And you can tweet us at, tweet that at us at Utah Man Podcast. So for everybody that has listened throughout the season, we do appreciate uh, um, you listening. And uh, this, is, this is a lot of fun for us. Obviously, we're just fans uh, having some fun with this. But we do appreciate uh, uh, people's interaction and, uh, and the following of this. Uh, but we, uh, thanks to our good sponsor, Doubletree by Hilton, we have a couple of uh, rooms that we're going to give away. Um, so we're going to do a pick the score contest. So pick the score. You're going to tweet into to, uh, the Utah Man podcast with your score. Uh, anybody who gets it correct or closest to will win a, a free room down there. And then we're also just going to raffle off everybody else who uh, who participates 
um, we'll just uh, we'll raffle off another room um, for uh, for for a second winner on that. So, you know, New Year's is coming up. You January is just a crappy month in general. So you want a little staycation or something? Uh, our good friends at the DoubleTree by Hilton will uh, will take care of uh, two lucky people here. So. We'll uh, we'll look forward to doing that. So tweet uh, tweet uh, the Utah Man podcast, or you can email uh, Utah Man podcast at gmail dot com uh, with those entries, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get those uh, divvied up and uh, pick carefully. All right. So now moving on, we've kind of worn out this bowl game, uh, football season in general, and basketball season is upon us with just coming off a, a kind of a painful loss, Cam. Losing to really? BYU, really? Yeah, is it, it that painful? Well, it's not. It's not painful like it was maybe a decade ago. But anytime you lose to them, it's just kind of like uh, no. I'm not, I mean, you feel I like get you that. need to go take a shower. I get that, and, and of course, I wanted Utah to win. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I, and I tweeted this out. But honestly, I was more upset with the UNLV loss and the Butler. Oh, loss. for sure. Well, for sure. And I'm not I'm not trying to take away anything and be a all high mighty Utah fan that the media loves to paint us as nowadays. But the game's just not what it used to be. If it gets canceled again, I don't care. Well, it's not what it used to be because we've been winning so much. I mean, not try yeah, not trying to be overly a punk on this, but Utah has consistently been winning in football and basketball. Now, BYU had a long run there for basketball for a while, but it's true. The fact that we're not in the same conference, we used to meet once a year at the Marriott Center and then a return game every year at the Huntsman Center, and then potentially you're playing them in the conference tournament. So three times a year you're playing these guys, and now it's just... Well, and the game's meant for standings in the conference. Yeah. Even and, if and, it wasn't and, for the first place, it, it meant for a place. And typically, you know, you're battling them out for near the top of the standings. And so the fact that there's really nothing on the line outside of bragging rights, it does take a lot out of the game. There's not as much as, as, as excitement. But at the end of the day, I want to beat BYU every time we play them. And, uh, I'm definitely. So, so, and and more or less, the thing that's disappointing is just the performance. And unfortunately, I think with this team, they were really impressive early in the season. They, they came to play. They, the Missouri game, they looked awesome. Yeah, I would say your first six games of the season were pretty surprising. Ole Miss, they played really well. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, ever since UNLV, they've been just, pretty average but but i think in reality they're kind of coming to that medium um where where they really truly are um they're an okay team uh they just there's not a lot of star power outside of tillman and let's just say that they're they're an okay team with tillman they're a pretty poor team without tillman well you know and and look we appreciate anybody who's a ute yeah these guys are putting their heart and soul into this and they're working extremely hard but there's just you compare what Utah has currently to what other teams have, especially once you'll see this once we get into Pac-12 play. I mean, look at Arizona State; they're undefeated, number three in the country, and they're they're flipping Arizona State. They have uh, Bobby Hurley's doing down there is amazing. But you look at how athletic Arizona State is, and you're going to see this against USC. You're going to see it against Arizona, um, Colorado. We just don't have a lot of athleticism right now, and Bearfield, uh, you know, Bearfield and Bibbins, you know, it's a it, it just creates a small back backcourt for us. Colette and Johnson have not been real consistent down low, and you know, our best and probably most consistent player of this season has been Tyler Rawson. If you would have told me that going into this year, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> and the fact that it's true, I'm not sure how good I feel about it. Um, cause there's definitely, there's holes, there's holes in this team and that's due to recruiting and that is due to a lack of being able to keep guys in the program, um, whether it's their choice or, or we're running them off. Um, but again, that comes back to recruiting them in the first place. So now with that being said, there's a lot of talent coming in next year. We've got, we've got some Tillman type players coming in. 
that are going to change things drastically. And people say that, and, and, and you just said, now, I don't know if I put my whole faith and trust in that. Well, I'm not saying uh, we're a Final Four team. No I'm, not, no, I'm not saying you are, but just the track record with this coaching staff, Larry's a great Well, they coach. are signed, I, so we will see him for at least one year. <laughs> now, whether we see him for year two, three, or four, that's up in the air. I'm, I'm just saying it. I have a hard time buying the future right now. Uh, I get that, but, but... And maybe I'm just a negative Nancy. But but a lot of these guys, again, we also thought that Johnson coming in was going to be maybe a one-and-done type player or, uh, you know, was just instantly going to be the guy. And he's not the guy, and I'm not sure he's going to be the guy. So, yeah, you never really know how these guys are going to react once they're put on a, a D1 uniform and, and they're playing think, that competition. I think Tillman's better th- uh, this early in his career than a lot of people anticipated. Yeah, but he was a big-time He was he a big-time get. And so so was uh, Batten, so was uh, um, Timmy Allen's a huge recruit. Gaskins, I think, is a little underrated shooting guard out of Cal. So we've got some guys coming in. What what they need is that they need a big guy because um, you're going to lose Colette next year, and you're going to Johnson's going to be it, and Jokel, who's kind of a Jokel. <laughs> so there's definitely um, some things that still need to be addressed. But uh, I, th- I think this is going to be the type of year where you just look for some some of the positives. You're going to look at some of the young guys. Bearfield will be back next year. Johnson's back next year. Tillman's back next year. And and Chris Seeley's back next year, and those are probably the main guys that uh, that will have a chance to contribute next year. So that's where my focus is. Is I th- I think you know we're not make, we're not going to be a tourney team, but looking at those guys and seeing how they progress throughout the throughout this season, and uh, hopefully it can be a piece next year. But Larry, I mean Larry, we don't lose to BYU, so come on, <laughs> got to figure that out, bud. So I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Scott, why don't you give out Ryan's Twitter handle for everybody? Uh, yeah, Ryan's Twitter handle is mylittlegirlpony.com. <laughs> oh, no, Ryan, uh, you can find Ryan. Uh, if you can find him, go for it. He's supposed to be here tonight. <laughs> Let him know he's missing. But, uh, you know, just no-shows. The season ends and he just takes off. I mean, what is he? Uh, is he Kyle Folks and just leaves the team? <laughs> Give me a break, but uh, so Ryan, uh, you can typically find him at uh, Drum, the letter N, Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. Very good. And Scott, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. All right, and as I said, you can follow me and this podcast at Utah Man Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and at our home, utahmanpodcast.com. And we hope everyone has a great, safe, wonderful holiday, Merry Christmas, New Year's, whatever you celebrate. Hope it's a great one. And go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. And Merry Christmas. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.